Well, let's get into the Word. Um, I want to I begin by uh, telling a story this morning. Um, this story happened on April 3rd, 2010. There was a knock on the door that startled 17, or excuse me, 79-year-old Irene Atkins. The great-grandmother wasn't expecting company. As she looked in through the peephole of her door, she saw a well-dressed, silver-haired gentleman. He reminded her of someone, but who? Her 73-year-old brother named Terry had come for a surprise visit, and it was quite surprising because Irene never knew that she had a brother. You see, back in 1932, in the depths of the Depression, a desperate and confused young couple unhitched their worn-out camping trailer on the side of the road and drove away. The police found three small, hungry children. Irene was the youngest at 10 months. The three kids were placed in three different foster homes and grew up not even knowing the others existed. Meanwhile, the young couple eventually got on their feet and they had another son. They named him Terry. When Terry was 14, his parents told him their shameful secret. He then began a lifelong quest to find his siblings. Some 60 years later, he found the agency's name and documents, which led him to ultimately find Irene. And then on April 3rd, 2010, Irene Adkins discovered the wonderful brother that she never knew she had. She also found answers to questions she had always wondered about. As a pastor, I have seen over and over and over and over again that when people discover the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and they have an encounter with him, that it is like they discover God in a way that they have never known before. It's like Irene finding her brother. Everything, a whole lot more made sense, and a lot of her questions were answered. And I've seen that as people come to really walk in the fullness of the Spirit, that the things of the, of the, things of the Spirit, the things of God begin to make sense. And it's like they discover a part of God that they have never known before. I know many of us come from very, very, very different backgrounds, spiritually and church speaking. I know some of you uh, don't have a church background at all. Some of you may have a Catholic background. Some may have a Pentecostal background, a Church of Christ, a Baptist background. There's so many different backgrounds we come from. And some of you, some of your background, um, you know, you may have seen some, so many excesses and things of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit that it just you know, made you af afraid of it or, or uh, concerned of it. And, you know, others, others of you, you may have come from churches where the Holy Spirit was treated like, you know, the crazy uncle that every one of us have. And that, you know, when you're a family reunion, you don't want to mention his name because he might just show up, right? He might just, and some churches treat the Holy Spirit like that. They don't, we don't mention the Holy Spirit, something crazy might happen. Well, that's, that, that's not how we want to be. I, uh, the title of my sermon this morning is this. It's, it's called Fruit of the Spirit or Gifts of the Spirit. Why not both? Fruit of the Spirit or Gifts of the Spirit, why not both? Growing up, I, I, uh, I went to church a lot. I loved church. Uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime there was uh, activities, I was there. I just loved being in church. And if we weren't having church or if I was in another town, I'd go find a church to go to in another town. I just loved going to church. And so it's probably not a surprise I became a pastor, and uh, so I just loved being in church, and I liked going to all different kinds of churches, and just learning different things and different ways people worship, and, and I, uh, I remember seeing a trend growing up, and the trend was, or I would say, I say a trend, I, I, I kind of saw two groups of churches. 
just that I observed growing up and then into my college years because I went to two different Bible colleges, I saw one group that would almost exclusively focus on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, kindness, meekness, goodness, self-control. We're going to talk about those in a little bit. And they would be all focused on the fruit of the Spirit. And they were good people. But man, the services were dry. There was no power there. There's no power in their life. They were good people, but there wasn't a power, there wasn't a power of the Spirit in their life. And then I was in other churches around other people, and, and they focused on the gifts of the Spirit, but neglected the producing of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And man, the services were exciting. They were fun. There was power there. But some, some of them were meaner than a rattlesnake. And oh, you've met some of them, haven't you? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, so I was just growing up like, why does it have to be either or? Like, why does it have to be this way? Why can't we be people of the Spirit as we walk in the Spirit that we can have the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit? And, and then I was in, when I was in college, a four-square church was planted in my hometown, and I started attending it. And we're a four-square church here. You've seen it on the sign. You may have seen some of our publications. And you're like, what does four-square mean? And I know we talk about it every once in a while, but, but one of the things I want to emphasize about what the word four-square means is ultimately the definition of the word foursquare means balanced. It means forthright. It means that we are people of the Spirit, that we're people who have the fruit of the Spirit, but we also have the gifts of the Spirit, that we walk in this balance. And I really believe that's what the Lord has for us as we, as we, walk, as we, as we walk with Him. And so some of us here today I'm going to, as I talk about the fruit of the Spirit, that's really going to cultivate in you a, a desire, Lord, I really do need to surrender more and see the fruit of the Spirit uh, produced in my life. And others of you, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and you're going to be like, man, I want some of that. I want to begin to operate in that. I want to begin to move in that. And so that's my, that's my prayer this morning, is that all of us will be motivated and will be encouraged and strengthened to want to see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our life and the gifts of the Spirit manifested in our life. And so I want to talk about those, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. You know, um, when Jesus, the day he rose from the dead, the day of the resurrection, he met with his disciples. And as he met with them, he, he said, peace be unto you. And he said, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on him. When he, when he said that, when he, it's in John chapter 20, he breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. That's the moment, I believe, that they were born again. They received the Spirit of God. That's very similar to what happened in Genesis chapter 2, where God breathed onto Adam. Of the, he molded him of clay, of dirt. He breathed on him, and he received physical life. In the New Testament, Jesus breathed on his disciples, and they received spiritual life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit is in them. And when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, we do see in Acts chapter 2 where they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and Pastor will talk about that in a few weeks. It's, you know, we're going to have a water baptism in a little bit. And, and as we baptize our water, our water baptism candidates, like they're going to be fully immersed in water. That's, that's how we do it here. And that's a picture of being baptized in the Holy Spirit where you're fully immersed in Him. And and as we, and the Bible, the New Testament continues to talk about walking in the Spirit. And, and so this morning of walking in the Spirit is such a big subject. But the two things I want to focus on this morning are the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our life and then the gifts of the Spirit. And let's be people who both are in operation in our life. And so let's talk a little bit about fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to open up your Bibles to there, or open on your phone, or however you want to do that. We also have it on the screen. So Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. So we find ourselves here, Paul is talking to the church of Galatia, and the context, the chapter of this, that what's going on is he's encouraging them to walk in the freedom of the Spirit, that uh, rules and regulations of just outward behavior is not what is not how we're transformed. We're transformed by a work of the Spirit. And he lists a whole list of deeds of the flesh, and, and really most of the Ten Commandments covers those. But he goes, here's the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, that there's not laws to make it come into fact, an effect. It's not done through the law, but it's done through a work of grace by the Holy Spirit in your life. And these are, and I'm just going to read them again, just, just love. Don't we want to be people of love? that we seek others' highest good above our own, of joy, that it's not based just on, on, on circumstances, but the joy of the Lord is our strength, that there's a deepness of this, of peace, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of turmoil, that we can be people of peace and have his peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that we're long-suffering, that in the midst of difficulty, that we don't tap out, that we suffer as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We endure hardship, the kindness, that we're kind people, that we're good people, that we're faithful people, that people can count on us and people can trust on us, that we're gentle, that we're gentle people, and that we're, we have self-control. I mean, don't, that's like, don't you want to be around people like that? That's the kind of people I want to be around, and I want to be a person like this. So how does this happen? Well, we get the answer, we get the key in John 15, Jesus tells us this. It's the, the passage, you may have heard it called the vine and the branches. He calls himself the vine and his disciples are the branches. We are his branches. And he says this, Jesus says, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus gives us the key for the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our life, it's out of relationship with Him. It's out of being with Him. It's out of surrendering to Him. It's out of yielding to the Spirit that it is produced in our life. I'll read it again. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We are so dependent upon Him. See, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come about in our life by trying. It comes about by yielding. Have you, ever, have you ever said, okay, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to be nicer. I'm going to try to be more gentle. I mean, it doesn't really work, does it? Because we're not changed by the outside in. We're changed by the inside out, and it's a work of the Spirit. And it comes by a yielding. It comes by a surrendering. So does an apple tree say, you know what? Today, I'm going to work really hard to produce an apple. Apple. Apple, apple. No, it just is. It just exists. An apple tree produces an apple because it's in its DNA. It's designed by God to produce apples. Now, it has to be in the right environment. It has to have the right amount of water. It has to have the right temperature. It has to have the right soil. There's pruning sometimes that has to take place to cut away the parts that aren't bringing life. But it just produces fruit naturally. 
And so it is with us that the fruit of the Spirit is produced supernaturally in us because it's in our DNA because we belong to Him and, and He is in us. And as we yield and as we surrender, it comes about in our life. It doesn't come by trying. It comes by yielding. So I have a graph I want to show you guys that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which I just talked about, and then it also talks about the gifts of the Spirit that I'm about to talk about. So let's just break this down a little bit. The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's one fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, it's, it's one fruit that as the Holy Spirit, uh, as we yield to Him, as He develops, He produces this fruit in our life, it is, it's all of these. It's, all, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit has to do with the person's spiritual character for those in the Lord. So fruit of the Spirit is a character issue. Fruit of the Spirit is an inward work. Fruit of the Spirit is being developed through us. The fruit is developed gradually as believers abide in Christ and yield to the working of the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, we are, we're saved instantaneously. As soon as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're saved instantaneously. But how many of you know some of this fruit, it takes a while to be developed in our life, doesn't it? It gradually comes about. It, it's, we're, we're, we're conformed to the image of Christ. It's a process. It's what we call sanctification. It's being changed from glory to glory. And so it's this gradual growing as we are maturing in Christ. We're seeing this, this fruit being, being yielded in our life. Even fruit is, uh, harvest is even called a yielding. I think that's super interesting. And we want to be people who, it's not just a 30-fold, a 60-fold, but we want a 100-fold return in our life of the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us. And then in comparison to the gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about this morning, gifts of the Spirit, there's a variety of gifts of the Spirit. There's, there's many gifts of the Spirit, and I'm going to break those down as simply as I can for you this morning. I'm trying to do a, a whole lot, but I'm going to do my very best at it. So there's a variety of gifts. There's one fruit of the Spirit, but there's a variety of gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit have to do with the person's spiritual capabilities. It's a ministering out to others. Uh, for the service of the Lord. The gifts of the Spirit are given instantaneously for the purpose of ministry. So I hope this helps. And I saw somebody taking a picture of it, and that might be helpful for you to be able to take this with you of what uh, the difference is between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So let me break down spiritual gifts for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 1, and New King James says this. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be ignorant. Anybody here want to be ignorant this morning? <laughs> I didn't think so. Just, just seeing if you're awake. Just, just checking. So this word here for spiritual is a word pneumaticos. That's the Greek word. Um, spiritual, it means empowered by breath or wind, a mighty rushing wind. It's what Jesus did when he breathed on them. It's what happened in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's this endowment with power from the Spirit of God, the air of God. It's, if you've used a pneumatic drill, uh, an air drill, and it, that's the same, it's the same word. It's, it's powered by air. And so are we as people of God. The spiritual gifting in our life, the power comes from the Spirit of God, not from anything natural, not from who we are in ourselves, but by the Spirit of God in us. And these spirituals, they're available to all of us who have the Spirit of God in us. And so there's four places in Scripture where spiritual gifts are mentioned. There's four places. And there's three different types of that I want to mention. So four places they're mentioned. 
uh, three types. The first are the motivational gifts. These are gifts of the Father. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, and there's multiples listed. There, there's gifts of ministration, gifts of, of helps, uh, gifts of, of giving, um, of serving. There's uh, gifts of uh, mercy. Uh, there's, so there's several listed there. And, and what most theologians, most pastors, uh, what is thought is that these are given to you at birth. They're placing, they're motivations, they're motivators of your life. And so as you uh, come into Christ, these are like, you come alive spiritually. These are like activated in your life. And there's, they're, they're, they're maybe like trends or bends you would have anyway. But as you are full of God, they just, they just really come alive. Uh, and, but they're put in you at birth. That's what, that's what many, many would think. Um, and then they're activated upon um, a filling of the Spirit, a walking in the Spirit. Uh, and it's, they're, inter, they're really interesting because we are to do all of them, right? We are all to help. We're to all give. Uh, we're all lead in some aspects. But yet each of us, there's a, there is a, an aspect of us that is we're bent, we're inclined that way. Uh, that's, those are the gifts out of Romans 12. And then we have the ministry gifts, which are in Ephesians. If you put, we put that back up, please. Um, Ephesians um, chapter 5, is that right? 4? Yeah, Ephesians 4, 4.11. Ephesians 4. And those are the ministerial gifts. Those are gifts of Jesus, uh, gifts of the Son. And, and those are uh, apostle, pa- uh, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those are gifts that Jesus gives to the local church to build up the saints, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And, uh, and so that's in Ephesians chapter 4. And then we have the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 11, where they're listed out. And that's really where the, our focus is going to be this morning. And then in chapter 14, there's an explanation of how you work those out in like public gatherings. And it's super interesting because in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians 13. Because the church at Corinth that Paul is addressing here, they were, they were pretty good at the spiritual gifts. They're a little bit like excessive. They're a little bit out there, but they got it. And he was encouraging them. Man, you guys are going for it and the gifts of the Spirit, great. But they, they didn't exactly, they struggled with the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And so he includes uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which is really interesting. Uh, I've heard somebody put it this way, that you have... It's kind of like a sandwich. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, you have spiritual gifts. It's like bread. And verse 14, or chapter 14, you have spiritual gifts, which is like bread. But right in the middle is chapter, first, is chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is all about love. And that's the meat. And so as, as we operate, here you see a picture of the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit together. Because how many of you know sandwiches are better with bread and meat, aren't they? And so we're better with the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit all together in our, in our lives. Have you guys ever taken a spiritual gift survey where you can take a survey and it'll list out your... Can I just see your hand? If you, okay, great. I, so I have, a, I, have a, I have mixed feelings about those. So I have a love-hate relationship with um, spiritual gifts assessments. And the, this is the reason why. Because they lump all the spiritual gifts together, the gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, gifts of the Holy Spirit, from Romans, from Ephesians, and Corinthians. They put them all in the same pile, and they treat them all the same. And so what often will happen is you'll take a survey, and you'll come out, and you'll say, this is my spiritual gift. I'm a helper. This is what I do. Or you say, I have a gift of prophecy. This is what I... And then you ignore, and you don't pay attention to the others, 
And I believe that, I don't believe that that is really the way it is. Now, we have them in, in Ephesians, the, the ministry gifts. We have them, the motivational gifts in Romans 12. Please read those. But the gifts that we have in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe, are available to all of us that are walking in the Spirit. That at any moment, God could, God could activate those in our lives. He could, let's say, just drop those on us, like engage us, um, and we could operate in them. It's because we do not just have one of these gifts. In fact, can I just put it, we don't like have any of these gifts. They're his gifts. He's the Holy Spirit. He just flows through us as we minister to others. And so at any moment, um, the Lord could use you to operate in one of these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let me read what they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit, this is why we call them the manifestation gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So these are his gifts, and we are we're his, we're his children. And, and, and as the Holy Spirit moves and operates in us, he wants to flow through us with these gifts, and he wants to, to use us, as, as Pastor talked about last week, to be witnesses wherever we go. And one of the ways that we're witnesses is for the Holy Spirit to use us and to give us a gift to use in a moment. So there are nine that, there are nine gifts here that we're going to talk about, and you could operate in any one of these at any time if you're open to it. Um, the, the fruit of the Spirit is based upon a yielding to the Spirit to allow that character to be produced. The gifts of the Spirit occur as we yield to the Holy Spirit and we move out in faith, because it takes faith to begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, that, that we are hearing God, that we are being motivated by Him, and that He is He's doing these in our life. And so let's, let's talk about it. I'm just going to break each one of these down and, and, and talk about them. Um, the first are the, um, there's, there, there's three sets. There's the discerning gifts, there's the declarative gifts, and then there's the dynamic gifts. Okay, so the discerning gifts. First one is a word of knowledge. Uh, to know something specific without knowing it by natural means. To know something specific without knowing it by natural means. See, Jesus operated in all of these gifts. Do you guys remember a, a few weeks ago uh, when Pastor talked about how Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit? Uh, Philippians tells us that he did not consider it, um, uh, he, he, he divulged his heavenly uh, privileges and when he became man and he was filled with the Spirit of God at his baptism. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was empowered for ministry. So the ministry that Jesus did on earth during his three years was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the fact that, um, that Jesus, so when he operated in a word of knowledge, uh, let's say the woman at the well. So if you remember the story of the woman well, he, he encounters a woman at the well and he said, hey, will you go get your husband? And she says, I have no husband. And he goes, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. Well, we could say, well, he knew that because he was God. But actually, he knew that because he had a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit told him what was going on in that moment. And so he was able to know. Um, 
I know uh, uh, Pastor Rachel was up here earlier, and she mentioned uh, somebody needing hope. The, the Holy Spirit let her know that there's somebody in this place that needed hope. And you could say, well, okay, we have however many people we have here. Well, sure, somebody needs hope. I mean, you could, you could be a skeptic, and you could think that, or you could, I don't think she was just sitting there saying, okay, now what can I say that it will connect with somebody? No, the Holy Spirit prompted that in her. And she responded to it, and she goes, I believe there's somebody here that needs hope. And you guys raised your hand, some of you, and said, yeah, that's me. I need hope. That's a word of knowledge. Um, I've had times, you, you may not, you, you, may, you can believe this or not believe it. I, it's okay. But as a pastor, there's times that I've needed to know people's names, and I haven't known their names. And I will, uh, I, I, this is a true story. I, so there's times that I've said, Lord, I need you to tell me this person's name. And a name will come to my mind, and I'll just say it. And it's the right name. And I'm like, thank you, God. Now, it's not 100%. <laughs> it's not 100%. And, 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 uh, but when that, because sometimes they just need to know that, they know that you know their name. And I just, if I didn't, I've just said, Jesus, I need to know their name. And a name will come, and I'll say it, and it's their name. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And you can choose to believe that or not. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I've experienced this. So, Word of knowledge. Um, you can tell, you, maybe the Lord tells you that somebody's struggling with something. You just say, hey, are, can I pray with you? I, are you struggling with this? And, 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 and if you're wrong, they'll just say no. And they're like, okay, well, can I pray for you anyway? Um, but but, it's, but it's, it's knowing something you wouldn't know otherwise. Okay, I got a lot to do. I got I to keep moving. Um, word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. A divine answer or solution for a particular event or situation. So have you ever been in a situation and all of a sudden you know the answer? And it's not because you have a degree in that field. It's not because you're an expert in that field. It's because something inside of you gave you the answer. It's like a key that unlocks a door. And it's like, boom, that's it. That's a word of wisdom. That I've been in meetings before and we're trying to figure something out and all of a sudden an idea and it's, 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 like, it's like the difference between opening a door that doesn't have a hinge and opening a door that does have a hinge, right? A door that has a hinge, it just, it opens. And it, or it's like a key that releases something. That's the word of, of wisdom. That it's, it's not that you're just a wise person. And we all want to be wise people, right? But it's in that moment, there's a solution that's giving that solves a problem. That's a word of wisdom. Another one is discerning of spirits. Um, to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Acts 16, there's a story where Paul's, they're walking down the road and there's a, a gal who is shouting out, uh, these are the servants of the Most High God, servants of the Most High God. And, and Paul discerns, he has a discerning of spirits. He understands that that's actually a demon in that young girl that's motivating her to do that. And it's actually being counter-beneficial to what he's trying to do. It doesn't work for a demon to come in and be announcing God's here, right? Like that is, or the servants of God are here, the kingdom of God. That is like, that's messed up. And so he takes authority over it and casts that demon out of her. But he did that because he had a, he had a, a discerning of spirits. He knew what that was. Um, now, I will say that discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits, as some translations call it, is different than just being a discerning 
are a person of discernment. We all, like, we all want to be wise people. We all want to be discerning people. But this is something different. This is knowing what that spirit is. It's knowing that there's a demonic spirit in operation. And it is, uh, you know, some people that say they have the gift of discerning of spirits actually just have a spirit of criticism, judgment, and gossip. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a time when Heather operates. She attend, and you know what? Some of us tend to operate in some of these gifts more than we do others. Some operate in prophecy a lot. Some in discerning of spirits a lot. Heather operates in discerning of spirits a lot. Uh, the Holy Spirit will use that gift in her life. And if you don't, Heather's my wife. She was the one that was up here singing this morning. And uh, we pastored in Missouri for a number of years. And one one Sunday morning, we were as we were pastoring a church at Church of Missouri. Um, so I was preaching. It was like this, and and. Middle of my sermon, a lady walks in this back door, not this back door, but it was a it was a similar setup. And so this lady walks in, I see her, and immediately, like she draws my attention spiritually. I discerned there's an evil spirit there. She sat on the back row, and uh, and and just that in just a moment, like I knew she was a witch. I can't even explain to you how I mean she looked normal, looked like a normal person, but I just knew had discerning of spirit, she was a witch. And so we have service, we do all that, we get home. And I turned to Heather, and I was like, Heather, did you see that lady that walked in? She goes, yeah. And at the exact same time, we both said, I think she's a witch. And we looked at each other like, like that's the only time that's, like, ever happened. Like, yeah, we've, you know, and I was like, and like yeah, but that was, the, like, the confirmation that, that we needed. And so I was like, okay, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I mean, I thought about it, but, you know, you move on. And then didn't see her again. And then I started, I, 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 word got back to me that one of our small groups and the church was blowing up. It was just, there was division. There was like, there was issues. Like it just, it was bad. And I was like, what's going on? Because I knew the people in the group. I knew the leader. And so I bring the leader in and I'm asking her, I was like, what's going on? Like what's happening in this group? And she begins to tell me that this new lady has started visiting. And ever since she visited, it's just blown up. And, and so I began to ask her to describe it. And sure enough, it was that lady and she, we had been advertising small groups that day. She heard about one. She picked one. She started going to it, and she blew it up. And so I was like, so we, so we went over there and prayed and kind of dealt with that. And so I, I reached out to that lady uh, who we discerned that, and I had her come into my office, and I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to offer her deliverance if she wanted it. And as I began to talk to her, I, you can ask Heather. I'm not making this story up. She said that she was driving down I-44. We pastored in Springfield, Missouri, and she was driving. You know the verse that says the devil's, as like a roaring lion just going around looking for whom he may devour. You know that? Well, that's kind of what was going on. She was driving up I-44, and she said she was led to our church, the church we pastored, to destroy it. She was on assignment to destroy that church. You can believe me or not. I'm just telling you what she, what she told me, right? And so I said, well, that's not going to happen, and would you like to be free of this demon? And she said, no, I gave myself to Satan on a Halloween, and I'm, I don't want free of this. This is, and I was like, and it was like four days before Halloween and we were having a big outreach and I was like, oh Jesus, <laughs> oh Lord. So I just let that demon know it wasn't welcome in our church and asked her and had her leave and she was gone and it didn't destroy the church. It didn't, but, but it, but because there was a discerning of spirit, we were able to address it spiritually because you have to address spiritual problems with spiritual solutions. And when you try to address Spiritual problems with natural solutions, it doesn't work. Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. That's why we have gifts of the Spirit. And so that's discerning of spirits. Declarative gifts. So we have the discerning, or we have the discerning gifts, and we have the declarative gifts. There's three of them. 
a gift of prophecy, a message of encouragement from God to a person, and it always brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to others. That's the criteria. That's what Scripture tells us is the criteria for it. You really, in the New Testament, you don't really see a gift of prophecy being used to correct somebody. You, have you ever seen that where somebody will try to correct somebody and then say, thus saith the Lord? That's just somebody giving somebody their opinion. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something being prompted by the Lord in you, and you share that with a person. Um, so word of prophecy. So, so this week, I'll give you an example from this week. So this week I was, and I have a Pastor Rachel's permission to share this. Oh, man, time's getting away. Okay. Um, so I was in, um, I, I, was, I was walking by her office. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? She was like, oh, I'm, I'm okay, but hey, come in and sit down and visit. So I sat down and we visit, and she begins to tell me about just some struggles that she's been having, and just, just some difficulties. And, and in my mind, I, ha- I got this picture, and I got a picture of a well. And, it was a, and I, just, I just said, you know, I just really feel like that the difficulties that are going on in your life, like God is drilling down really, really deep, and it's painful, and it's hard, but there's a well that he's developing in your life, and that the release that's going to be refreshing not only for you but for others, like a water well. It's just, it's just going to, and and I could, I could you, when you begin to, when you step out on faith and you begin to, like, fill these nudges and you begin to share these words, you can sense in yourself. Hey, I think God's in this. This isn't just, this isn't just something Jay came up with. This is like something God's saying. And so I just said, I just sensed that, and she was like, and I sensed it was from the Lord, and I think she sensed it was from the Lord, and and so so we, you know, we just went on with her day and. And she came and told me this morning that she had been talking to a friend back on the West Coast, and they were Marco Poloing each other videos, and, and she had said, you know, how are you doing, Rachel? She said, well, I'm kind of struggling with this and, 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 and some of these things. And, and she said her friend videoed her back and said, well, I just had this picture of a well, and that God's digging in your life, and he's going deep, and what he's going to do is going to be, it may be painful, but it's deep, and it's going to be refreshing to you and refreshing to others. Now, is that coincidence? No, that's not coincidence. And that, that's, that's a word of prophecy. And it's for exhortation and edifying and, and others. And so, so if I could, uh, Paul, I, oh, can I just say Paul had some favorites in spiritual gifts? And he said prophecy's the best. He said prophecy's good. He goes, I would that you all prophesied. Um, he liked it. It was encouraging. And when you can share something from God for others, like it's really, really good. It really strengthens others. And so if I can help you kind of get started in it, if you're not familiar with it, I say one, there's like three things I would encourage you to do. Number one is to, um, is to ask the Lord to give you a verse. If you feel like he wants you to share something with somebody, ask the Lord to give you a verse to share with them. The word of the Lord is the surest word of prophecy. And so share a verse with them. Well, that also means you have to be putting the word in you so there's something to draw from. But it's, you'd share a word with them when you feel that prompting. The second thing is pay attention to images that you might see. Like when I was talking to Rachel, I saw the image of a well. It doesn't mean I had this open vision of a well. That's not, but I had the thought of a well. Uh, pay attention to those images. And when you get those, begin to, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And the... Th- well, maybe I have more than three suggestions. Um, <laughs> but you have to be willing to step out on faith, okay? You can't, you can't, ju- you have to, you just have to just, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. And so one of the ways to practice 
is to pray for people. And so the way, one of the ways I learned is I call it praying prophetically is I was like, it's because like there's two ways you can pray. Like I could pray for Dakota here and I could just pray like just Lord bless him, be with him, help him have a great day, give him health and strength, just kind of a generic, the best thing that comes to my mind, prayer. Or I could pray for Dakota and I could say in my mind, just pray, Lord, what do you want to say to Dakota? And just wait. And as thoughts start coming, as scriptures start coming, then I start praying those things. And what that does is if you begin to pray prophetically, it just means you're not just praying your own ideas, but you're praying through the Spirit. And you're like, you want to hear what God has to say. And so as you begin to do that, you'll begin to see that God will begin to touch people. And, oh man, you prayed just the right, oh, that's exactly what I needed. And as you do that, you'll begin to gain confidence that you're hearing the Lord and that you're that you're operating in the gift of prophecy, and then you can, and then you may be able to grow to the point where you don't have to pray it. You can just say, you know, this is what, can I just share this with you? And, and don't like King James it, right? Thus saith God, and just, this is the word of the Lord for you today. If it is the word of the Lord, you don't have to say that. They'll know it. And you just, whatever's coming to you, you just say, hey, can I just share this with you? And if it, if it, if it resonates with you, if it helps you, great. If it's not, it was probably the pizza, Right. And then you just, you just trust God that, that he's going to use that. And so I just want to encourage you just to begin to step out in that. Um, all right, tongues. We're just going to skip tongues, and I'm going to leave that for Pastor Ryan. And <laughs> he will talk about it. You know, one of the things about tongues is that uh, the gift of tongues um, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a public declaration of tongues which is different than a, a prayer language of tongues. Um, Paul said, I, I, I pray in tongues more than all of you do. I speak in tongues more than all of you do. He's talking about um, a prayer language. But when we are in a public setting, if there are tongues given in a public setting, that's what this, give, this is what this is given for. And a tongue is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. So it means a, a, a tongue is gone first. It's in a language you don't know. And some of you are like, now like, what kind of church did I just walk into? Like, what's going on? But this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> like, this is in the Bible. Um, and, and it's, but it's a message in a, and you're like, well, how do you speak in a language you don't know? Exactly. Exactly. It's a spiritual gift. It's not natural. It's spiritual. 1 Corinthians 14 says that if there is a tongue, a message in tongue, and it's because he tells them how to operate in, if it's a public setting, that there needs to come with it an interpretation, which leads us to our next spiritual gift, which is the, the, the interpretation of tongues. So you have a message in tongues, and you have interpretation of tongues. Interpretation of tongues is understanding and expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. So somebody will give a message in tongues, and either they ask for the Lord to give them the, um, the interpretation of that tongue, and they give it themselves, which is biblical, or they share the tongue and then somebody else gives the interpretation for it, okay? There's several different ways this can happen. Um, I, when, I was, when I first started pastoring my very first church, I was lead pastor, and this is week three, okay, week three. We had just finished worship. I came up to transition the service like Pastor Rachel just did, and somebody starts shouting out in tongue. Like, maybe not shouting, but like loud enough everybody can hear it. And now my, this is my thought. Oh, Jesus. This has been a good run. 
I've been a pastor all the three weeks, and now the whole church is just going to blow up. And I was like, all right. And so I explained to everybody what just happened, that that is the spiritual gift called the... I hadn't been there long enough to teach them how we kind of operate because the church I pastor, like how Pastor Ryan does, if you guys ever feel like you have a message in tongue or prophecy or, or word of knowledge or any of that, like we want to make room for that, but we wouldn't want to just shout it out. Like come to Pastor Ryan or myself, one of us up here on the front, and like share it with us in private. We'll help pastor that. We'll help like see how that fits, if it applies to everybody. Like we want it, but the Bible says let everything be done decently in order. And so like even with mics, we would want everybody to hear. Like we're on live stream. So if somebody's shouting over there, they couldn't hear it on live stream. We'd want everybody to hear it. So, so I explained to him, I was like, so anybody here have the interpretation for that tongue that was just given? Crickets. Like, all right, Jesus, how's this going to turn out? And you know what? In that moment, the Lord gave me what that interpretation of that tongue was. And I knew, how did I know it? I just thought started, like, script, like thought started, and I was just like, and you don't get, so if you ever operate in this, you don't get the whole thing at one time. It's not like a download of a file, okay? You get like the first words, or you get like the first little bit, and then you just have to, you just kind of have to step out and like, okay, Jesus, here we go, here we go. And you just start sharing what comes, and then he keeps it coming, and it just, it's, it's him, it's supernatural. And so, I was like, maybe I'll make it to week four. And, uh, and so, but we navigated that one. You know, one time I was, uh, I was probably eight or nine years old, maybe 10, I don't remember. We were in a church service, in church I grew up in, and a tongue was given like that, a message in tongue. And there was a gentleman in the church, his name was Bob Garner, Dr. Bob Garner. He was a professor at the local university, a science professor. Loved the man, like a hero of mine. And one of the reasons I'm in ministry today is because of him, and I, and I loved him. And so he walked up to the front, it was a Wednesday night service, and he asked the pastor if he could share something. And of course the pastor, I mean, he was an elder in the church, he was a deacon, like he, like he was a great spiritual leader. And so he came up and he said, when I was in college, I studied Russian. And that message in tongues that was just given was in Russian. And so I want to give what that word is. And I was blown away. I was like, okay, this is real. Because I trusted him. And you know why I trusted him? Is because Bob had the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And because Bob had the fruit of the Spirit in the life, I trusted the gift of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit in his life when it was manifested. And, and it's very similar to what happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit. They started uh, they started speaking in tongues, and those around them heard it in their native language. So there's another way that tongue can be used. Tongues can be used. And so I, uh, and so I saw it, and at a young age, I thought, you know what? This isn't just gibberish. This isn't people just making it up. That person, I guarantee you, that person from that little town in Oklahoma had never spoken Russian. Like, I would bet my life on it. This, that farmer didn't know Russian. I'm just telling you. <laughs> they didn't know Russian. But Bob Garner did, and it was, a, it, was, it was a sign. It was a sign that God was moving in that midst, in that midst. Okay, um, the dynamic gifts. Uh, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of working of miracles. The dynamic gifts. Dy- the word there is, in Greek is, is dunamis. There's, it's dynamite. It's power. Pastor talked about that last week. When we are filled with the Spirit, uh, the power of God will come upon us to be his witnesses. So there's the spiritual gift of faith. The spiritual gift of faith is when you know something in your knower and you know it and you got faith for it, you can't explain it, you just know that you know that you know that you know that you know God has it. 
Have any of you ever experienced? You just know. You don't have to work up faith. You don't have to build up faith. You don't have to, oh, I got to believe. I got to, you know, it's God has this. You just, it's a supernatural endowment of faith. And you just know. Now, we all have faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But this is a special endowment of power upon it. Gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. Supernatural endowment of divine health. And we believe we serve a healing God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When I was about, um, oh, probably 18, I was a senior in high school, our, our, we called it our youth group. And, man, they were, we, I say they because I'm looking back, but we were, man, we were hungry for the things of the Lord. And we would gather on Sunday nights and we would pray. We'd pray for an hour or so before the service, just young people. And our pastor was worried about us. Because he, he was just like, so he sent an elder of the church in just to keep an eye on us to make sure we didn't get too wild and crazy. But he, uh, he, so, he so he sent an elder, and I was really glad he did because of this one night. It was nice that we had an adult to be a witness to this. Because there was a young person, he was about 25, he was college age-ish, and he, was, he had been in a car accident, or motorcycle accident, and he had lost feeling in his leg. So he was in there in a wheelchair. He had been, he had been, he was, he had been addicted to drugs. He had gotten saved, he had gotten free of drugs, and he was coming in that prayer meeting. And I don't know who initiated it, but I just remember that the, those of us that were in there, we began to gather around him, and we began to pray for him, and we began to ask God to heal him, that he would be able to walk again, that God would, that God would restore his, his, his legs, that he'd be able to use. And we were probably praying 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, this wasn't a 30-second prayer. When we were praying, and we were praying, all of a sudden, I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, my shoes are too tight. Now, if a guy's faking it, that's not going to be his first words. He says, my shoes are too tight. I got to take my shoes off. So he takes his shoes off. Then he begins to have feeling through his legs. And then he stands up. And he didn't like start running a, a marathon. Like his legs were weak. And he, 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 he would walk, but he started walking with the wheelchair. And over a period of like pushing his own wheelchair like a walker, but over a period of a couple of weeks, this man got full restoration of his legs. We're just a bunch of kids. But I'm telling you, there's no junior Holy Spirit. Like when your kids are praying, <laughs> there's not. Like when your kids are praying, when our young people are praying, God moves. He responds to that. He's there. Our kids can operate in gifts of the Spirit. You don't have to be a certain age. And as he, and it just, man, it changed my life. I've seen it. I believe it. I want it. And then the working of miracles, a divine intervention that alters natural circumstances. God still does miracles today because he is a miraculous God. Friends, my, my prayer, my heart is, is that we would be people that walk in the Spirit of God, that we'd be people who walk in the fruit of the Spirit and in the gifts of the Spirit. Both. They don't have, it's not either or, it's both, and that we would be those people. Would you pray with me, Lord?